Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 237. I'm your host, Blaine Pudvang, and I'm joined now by my co-host, Matt Smith. Eva. And Treg Wilson. Hello. So since our last episode, a little bit has gone on. So uh, it seems hell has frozen over, and the Canadians are actually on a win streak. What the hell? I told you they were going to win 15 games at a Martin St. Louis. You only need 12 more in 31 games. It's still a bit of a stretch, but. It definitely shows that they needed a new voice behind the bench or at least, uh, at least some, at least some uh, fresh air, you know? Sounds Um, like, uh, yeah. Yeah. It sounds like they did. Uh, But before we jump into talking about the last couple of games, we, uh, we have an update on uh, Armia and Dvorak. So according to Jonathan Bernier of the Journal de Montréal, the Canadians have said both Dvorak and Armia are more serious than just day-to-day, but they're not exactly long-term either. Um, Armia still has swelling uh, after taking a skate boot to the face. And Dvorak has stopped skating to focus on his treatment, Um, but they're saying it's not really a setback, but to me that sounds like it is. now, Ducharme, before he was fired, stated that Dvorak had been medically cleared and given the green light by the doctors. Uh, he never was. So he's never been taken off the IR. So that's, that's a little bit of a miscommunication. That's been cleared up. So he is still on the IR. He is a little bit more than day-to-day, probably week-to-week is my guess for these two guys. And that's where we are with them. Now... On to the last couple of games. The Canadians uh, are on a three-game win streak. Uh, They beat the Islanders for their second win in a row. They won that 3-2 in a shootout. And then they beat, well, a beat is a a more dominated, like like a dominatrix in an Amsterdam brothel. They dominated the Leafs 5-2. So let's uh, let's start with the Islanders game, Matt. What what were your thoughts on the outcomes from that game? For me, it was the uh, performance of Andrew Hammond. That was for me. That was the biggest standout. I thought that he played great for a guy that hasn't played in the league for uh, for four years, and uh, felt incredible uh, for the guy. Uh, you know, one point eight five goals against with a nine thirty eight save in your first game back is especially with a, you know, uh, we'll call it a fragile team in, in the Canadians right now. But as, as it was said in the opening, they're, they're definitely growing and, and getting better. Um, but yeah, I felt fantastic for the guy and I thought he played a fantastic game. Um, overall, the game itself, um, that top line of Suzuki, Caulfield and uh, Anderson, they, they played a great game. Um, and and then it showed it showed even more in the in the in the, in the Leafs game, but um, the big things for me are the uh, I'm going to say the the uh, kind of the new look 
team right now under St. Louis and the players that are really starting to flourish under his command, guys like Petrie who picked up a goal, Anderson who picked up another goal and then picked up a few against the Leafs, uh, Caulfield with the uh, successful shootout uh, attempt, and then Pitlick for, you know, a guy that I did not pick to go in the uh, in the shootout to make an aggressive move like that and pick up the winner. Um you know, we're seeing a team now that's uh, that's that's competing a hell of a lot more. Um, either team could have won that uh, overtime. And we're seeing a team that's not playing just defense. And, uh, you know, we got the point. Let's play defensive hockey until we possibly get to a shootout. They're, they're starting to play with a little bit more, um, a little bit more focus and a little bit more determination. And uh, I think that's going to, it's going to, it's it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna bode well for this team going forward. St. Louis has attempted has basically taken on the same uh, thinking process when it comes to overtime as his former coach John Tortorella, the safe as death mentality. So he's going out with guys that he knows can skate and shoot. Yep. He's not he's not playing it safe like uh, Ducharme or or Julian did. Yeah. Putting out defensive specialists. Like we still, we still but we, the thing is, we still saw Sherratt in the game, and I believe that's a little bit more. And, I, and the last two games, I believe Sherratt's looked he's, – he's looked pretty good. He's getting and, showcased and, hard. And he's definitely getting showcased, and I think that was the reason why to say this is what he can do, this is what he can bring to the table, especially since he's playing on the right side as a natural yeah. – as a left-handed shot, right? Trey? I think uh, – I think uh, St. Louis – in the Islanders game, anyway, uh, St. Louis did exactly what everyone wanted to Sherm to do when he took over for Julian. Is that quit and, and over, especially in overtimes, quit playing it safe. Uh, you already have the point. Why are you trying to save the point? Like you're, yeah. it's you know you're playing like it's the near the end of a game. You're trying to get it to overtime while already in overtime, yeah. and uh, to do it that way is just ridiculous. Like you have you're either going to win or lose. You have the point. You might as well go for the win you know, the worst that's going to happen is you just don't get the extra point. Um, what I really like about Martin St. Louis, and it goes back to how well Andrew Hammond played is the way the defense is attacking the forwards and the offense. They're not giving them the time and space to make the proper moves, to make the right passes. You're seeing less cross crease passes. You're seeing less, you know, uh, um, high danger um, chances, right? High danger chances in the slot because they don't have time and they're rushing their passes and they're, and they're rushing their shots. I, and I'm not downplaying what Hammond did. Hammond had, had an excellent game. Um, but uh, a lot of the shots, they, they lower the high danger shots coming from the slot. Uh, and it's, it, it's helping Montebo. And they've been doing that since St. Louis kind of took over. They're just, uh, St. Louis had said, we're doing, we can't, put everything together and say, we got to change this, 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 and this. So we're focusing on one thing at a time. And as we progress, all those things will come together. And uh, yeah, he's really simplified their game plan on the defensive side, specifically. It's, it's like coaching a peewee team. I'm it's identical to how, that. I, I'm going to teach you how to do this. Yeah. And then the next game, that's what you're going to do. We're not going to worry about the other stuff. Don't worry about that. That we'll figure that out as we, as it comes along. But we're going to worry about this. And sometimes that's what you got to do, even at the NHL levels. Just simplify things. Just yeah. put and it down there. And we've seen what's happened with the goaltending and how uh, well how Hammond played, and now how uh, Montempo's looked in his last two start with a with a win against the Blues and, a, and now a win against the Leafs. Yeah, the uh, the the simple fact that Montempo looks more uh, at ease physically because he was playing hurt for a little while. So now it looks like he's kind of settled down. Hammond coming in mean, it means that uh, they're not relying on Primo, who was clearly out of his element and just could not handle the NHL game yet. He's not ready yet. And to put him into that situation was doing him a disservice and not helping the team whatsoever. So you've got, got goalies who are not making saves. Then you're down two, three, four goals in the first period. There's no way you're coming back. And of course, the team crumbles after that. Now, the goalies are making those those key saves. You're only down a goal, maybe still tied, maybe even up. I mean, <clears throat> the last two games, the Canadians have scored first. So it's it's a massive, massive departure from what they had prior to St. Louis' arrival. Absolutely. 
And not just that is the, uh, if you go back even to their first win under St. Louis, uh, the overtime win, if it wasn't for the extra effort that everyone's putting in for the full 60, the Gallagher stopping the empty net uh, goal uh, and then yeah. Caulfield go down and score If you didn't really see that near the end of a game under Ducharme, and I'm not saying, I mean, Gallagher probably still would have done that if he had the chance, but you're just not seeing the effort. You're not seeing a 60 minute effort under, you didn't see a 60 minute effort under Ducharme. But under St. Louis, you seem it seems like everyone just they want to win the game for him. Like they they and 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 look at Romanov. Romanov's now not afraid to mess up. Like he's not uh, he looks a little bit more relaxed on the ice. Um, I don't think he's playing super great, but you know what I mean? He he he's more relaxed, he's he he's doing his thing and he uh you know um and he's just going to improve the more he learns. Um, but Romanov's a bit of a – it's probably a bad example because I don't think his play the last few games has been – It hasn't been great, that bad, but, though. But it hasn't He's made bad. a couple errors, but <clears throat> he's been able Kyle, to rectify them. Yeah, Kyle Clegg's been terrible, but uh, – That's uh, a whole other story. <laughs> but uh, uh, Romanov is uh, – you know, and the younger guys like Caulfield, he's up in the first line now. I mean, we might as well get into the Toronto game. I think that's where we're going next. Yeah, we're going to step um, to the Toronto game here. We'll talk about lines and stuff a little bit after but we'll just discuss the game itself so yeah um, the, uh, <clears throat> the leafs the <laughs> the canadians are playing the second of a back-to-back they they traveled from new york back to montreal to meet up with a rested toronto team and sheldon keith before the game even said this was a revenge game there's still 11 guys on that team that eliminated us last year in the playoffs so that's their motivation and and then they come in, they come in and do what? They get spanked. I, and it, it's, it, it's, I don't know. It's not like the Canadians were, you know, just suddenly turned into the Harlem Globetrotters here. The Leafs played like hell. Marner was uh, showed up, but he couldn't produce. Sound familiar? Um, Spezza showed up. He was actually trying, but he couldn't produce. Uh, but he got an assist, though. Um, and then there's Matthews, who was completely invisible unless he was getting his pocket picked on the blue line, which happened three freaking times. So this is that team is so broken and lacks spine. There is no way that that team, as it is, is going to be a threat. It just can't be. Especially if you... Oh, go ahead, Matt. If they've got to play, say, Tampa or Florida in the first round, it's done. They just got killed by the 32nd place team. Especially if you have a guy like Muzzin that's going to be out long term. That's the big part right there. Yeah. However, if it's an LTIR situation, then we're not going to get too deep into this. If he gets thrown an LTIR with the trade deadline coming up, they they might be able to use it to throw that around. Yeah, but who are they going to get in the playoffs to replace the grid of Muzzin? Sherratt. I, I don't think they're in on short. They got that uh, Russian the, guy. They got Labushkin, and, yeah. I think I they're going to go after Braun. To be honest, I think they're going to. I think they're going to take a little bit Braun out of the Flyers. Whoever they get, they need to get something. Is someone with some grit, some spine, because they they lack that jam in their game. But they need more than one person with grit and spine. That's going to change. I yes, mean, that's true. And they need someone that can play on the top four or the top two lines with grit and spine. And not like a Wayne Simmons who plays on the fourth line and only comes out. Nick Felino, he would have taken he would have taken out Weidman last night for <laughs> for Muzzin falling into him. He he would have asked him at the uh, face off if he wanted yes. to go. That's what yeah. he would have done. Yeah, I'm not trying to make a joke there, but I hope I honestly hope Muzzin's okay. Of course. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing. We do hope he is getting he is going to recover quickly. But that brings me to uh, Spezza and his 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 need to step up to defend six foot four, Justin Hall from Nick Suzuki. Yeah. And they both grabbed onto him. That's the thing. And you notice, you notice uh, when Spezza was grabbing him, he had, he was looking over his shoulder to see, Oh shit. Is, is Anderson coming? And as soon as Anderson showed up, hands off. Yeah. Well, 
And that's that's the key to, and you said we're going to get lines later, but that's the key to that line is Anderson's yeah. given Suzuki and Caulfield so much space to to move around that is actually creating more space for Anderson as we yeah. saw last night. Yeah, when he came, and, when he skated in for that yeah. where second goal, yeah, absolutely. Because and, and Caulfield's just Caulfield is controlling the play in the yeah. offensive zone. Like yeah. he looks like he what he did in Wisconsin. Like he yeah. just skits in there and he's like, all right, I got the puck. I'll just skate around to one of you two get open and I'll give it to you. And then you can either give it back to me and I'll score or you guys will score. I mean, Anderson could have easily had four goals. One, he was robbed by a beautiful, beautiful. That, was nice save. Oh, yeah. that, that, they, that glove save was impressive. Yeah, and then the other one, uh, oh, they went on the three on one and, but Muzzin got hurt. So they, they blew the, blew the play yeah. down, which to me is perfectly fine. I had no yeah. issue with that, uh, with that ref call. Well, some people on Twitter were, upset because well i mean the Montreal breakup, but it's an injured player and the guy's out cold yeah, with his I'm eyes okay open and he's he's blowing bubbles for god's sakes you blow the, you gotta you gotta call that you have to uh, it's not a playoff that. game let's let's not get over overzealous uh, but i want to i want to mention you you mentioned caulfield and how he's looking like he did in wisconsin uh that's the beauty of st louis basic plan his so-called uh, you know the quote-unquote concepts he's allowing the players to play to their strengths to play their styles what they're what they know the the things that got them to the nhl to play in those ways and that's why we're seeing caulfield start to really blossom now under saint louis versus ducharme because saint louis allowing him that that creative license yeah exactly and then he he he, he put Anderson and Suzuki with him now in all honesty right now Suzuki's just kind of the third guy on the line like which is impressive to say considering which, how well he's been doing correct and you know he hasn't really gotten a lot of points I think he got one assist last night yeah he should have had but, a couple more for sure yeah and but uh, the way Kof- Anderson's just freeing up the space for Caulfield who's dragging a couple players with him which is frees up Anderson on the other side and he's just passing the puck over or Anderson and I mean what a beautiful three beautiful shots by the two of them on yeah. all their goal. Well, I mean, Caulfield's going, I'm not sure where Marzik was kind of going there. He, <laughs> he, he expected him to go short side, but then he, he, he placed it far side. And then he was still sliding over in the corner by yeah. the time it went into the net. But, then, um, but it's just been great. And Huffman had a beautiful goal too. That just went over, over on the far side, over <laughs> on the shoulder. So if there was one goal that Marzik would have wanted well, back, it's it that was one. that one. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I'm just so impressed with how, like, win or lose, like I say, 15 games, but you're probably, you're probably, it's probably going to be closer to the year nine, like maybe 10 or 12. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I say 15 to be on the on the on the happy side. And anyone worried about them falling out of the top five, they pretty much got to play 700 to get into the sixth last place, and they're not going to play 700. Let's keep in mind stretch, that. So. Let's just keep in mind that the team right now is at a 255 point percentage. If they go 500 the rest of the way, the, they got 31 more games. If they go 500 in those 30, 31 games, meaning they get 16 points. So it's a little over 500. They get six, which is what? Eight wins. They get eight more wins. They're still at worst in, thir- in 30th place. For 31 games, they'd have to get about 15 wins to be. We're looking at a top. We're looking at a top five pick, regardless. Yeah. And but still, uh, even even with lot, 15 wins, you're only getting 58 points. A lot of people <laughs> were talking about that 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 the draft falls off after uh, Shane Wright. I don't believe that. I think there's some. I think there's some skill there, and I and I believe that uh, whoever they end up choosing in the in the in the uh, in the draft, whether it's a uh, number one or number five or whatever it is, I think they're going to do very well. The top. Well, I mean, the top Five in this draft is going to be a game changer. Any anyone you pick, Logan Cooley, uh, yeah. Slikovsky. Yeah, um, I mean, you, you, Nick, knee catch, knee catch, Camel. I mean, uh, all types of players that the Canadians desperately need in their system. So it, it's not really going to be an issue if they finish in the in the top five. And then you only have a twenty one percent chance of winning the lotto at last place anyway. So. I mean, yeah. and only seven teams who finished last have won the lotto since 2006. Yeah. 
the thing for me right now is like, I know a lot of people want the Canadians to continue losing to get that best opportunity to get the number one pick because obviously Shane Wright's going to be the guy that's going to go number one. However, if we're looking at a rebuild or, or aggressive retool, whatever we want to call it right now, um, especially if they want to keep San Luis behind the bench, you want to continue to play for your coach. You want to continue to play hard. And if they do bring this young guy into the lineup, let's just say that it's Shane Wright. Well, you want that player to be able to jump into a team that's already established a little bit of a winning mentality under that coach that's seen some positivity and that it's not just kind of like limp into an, into a new season. You want to, you want to see, you want to, you know, kind of build that up and then you'll, well, now we've got this shiny new player. Yeah. Like I don't want to see a team. I don't want to see a team just like tank and tank and tank and tank and tank just to get the number one pick. And like, we were all at the draft together in, uh, in, in Buffalo when, uh, when, when Matthews was drafted and there were people with signs, you know, embrace the tank and this and that and whatever else. And like, if Montreal is to get the number one pick, it is what it is. They didn't tank to do so. They didn't, they, they did not, you know, they didn't, it's not like they didn't put out players to, to, to play the games. They, they, there was injuries, there was COVID, there was this, there was this. I'm not trying to make excuses, but they didn't just say, well, we're just going to field an AHL team because we have to. They're not embracing losing. That's, that's the difference between what the Canadians are doing now with St. Louis versus what Toronto did. Now, Toronto is pointed to as a successful rebuild, but I'm going to ask um, what has Casper the ghost? I mean, uh, sorry. What has Matthews done in the playoffs? Nothing. Nothing. I call him Casper because he's, he's invisible in the playoffs. You don't want a team that embraces losing. You want a team that demands winning at the very least demands a full effort. And when he walked into their system, they weren't at that point yet. So no. that wasn't forced on him right away. That's right. He was just given this superstar rock star status without having done much of anything. I mean, he is an insanely talented player. Yes. But there's that little extra little bit that you need in the playoffs for the success. So which would you rather have? The first overall pick with an insanely talented player or a team that's actually won some playoff series in the last I don't know, 18 years. I'd rather the playoff series, but while Leafs fans will say, if you're not winning the cup, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, sure. But you got to, you got to learn to win before you can actually get to that cup. And that's why I'm not, I'm not, I'm not upset that the Canadians have gone this way to bring in St. Louis, to bring in this, uh, some accountability and to try and, wake the team up and mostly for the development of the players. Yeah. What I, what I like too, is uh, Gordon and uh, Gordon and uh, Hughes have said, we're not playing to finish last next season. That's not no. our goal. Uh, and, and they said, we're not trading this person unless we get the offer we want. We're not trading that person unless we get the, in other words, you're saying, we're not saying we're going to trade anybody. Like, a Sherratt's probably a given just because they don't want to lose him for nothing. So, you know, UFAs are a given, but if you take a guy like Lekkanen and Petrie, uh, who've been on the trade market, Dvorak, Anderson, uh, Druin, they're not going to trade these players unless they get the offer they want. And I'm pretty, from what it seems to me is they have, this is what we want. And now their team's like, well, I don't want to give that up for that guy. And they're like, oh, well, see you later. Cool. Have a nice day. Cool. Because <laughs> to me right now is going on about Anderson, Anderson. and how important he is. I don't think Anderson's on the block. I don't. Think, I don't think uh, he is either. I don't think well, he is. They're either. taking calls, and like you said, they have a but price that they have set. Yeah. You're yeah. going to take calls in everyone. Like yeah. every GM is going to do that regardless. But uh, I don't think. I think Anderson's a bit. They even said in the thing that they really like him. They would like to. He's the type of player they would like, yeah. and he's the type of player they want: big, fast, mobile. It's been skilled. years that they've been looking for a player like that. They finally went yeah. and got one. I'm, I'm not saying they won't trade him, but what I'm saying is like what you had mentioned, Treg, if, if they have a price, if, yeah. if they get what they want in their price. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. If yeah. the price, they get exactly what they want in their price. And it's 
you know, good for the team, which I'm assuming. I'm guessing it, will be, it would be insanely high. Correct. Then, you know, like if they trade him and get, oh, I don't know, dry sidle or something. I'm just, you know, like yeah, you're not going to say no. That, that you're not going to say no to that. I mean, that's a bit high. That's a bad example, but you know what I mean. Like, but but no, as an example, that's that's yeah. kind of the thing, right? Yeah. But uh, if you look at what Gorton has done in the past with the Rangers, Chris Kreider, perfectly uh, the same type of player. Mm. Mm-hmm. Instead of trading him away when they decided to rebuild, he signed into a long-term deal. So th- he knows that that type of player is important for a team to have some success because they're hard to find. Well, it's not, it, they kind of, the NHL shifted away from the power forward for a little bit. And then yeah. uh, now they're, they're like, Oh no, we need it to this type of guy. And they're rare. I, and Chris Kreider has the exact same amount of goals as Aston Matthews does this year. So uh, for half the price. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, someone saying on Twitter yesterday was saying Matthews is going to win all the awards this year, but uh, I don't know. I, I think he's in tough on the Vesna. Yeah. The Norris is a lock just from what I seen last night. Well, just that back check where he did not move his feet whatsoever. That's Petrie levels right there. Strong, silky <laughs> candidate, Austin Matthews. Speaking of Petrie, though. Yes. He's he's been a hell of a lot better under St. Louis. He's uh, he's the the system as we talked about the defensive system has been a lot more simplified and over the last 4 games got two goals and three assists. Now, I don't know if someone uh, if he just started to play better because he's like, "Oh, a new coach, I want to impress him," or if someone in his camp said, "Hey, listen, you're playing like absolute trash. If you really want to get traded, you got to play." Oh, he's, he's definitely up in his value. I'm going to throw another conspiracy theory in there. I think him and Ducharme just didn't get along. And well, that's, that could be it too. Didn't listen to Ducharme. That that that's on because he's night and day since Martin St. Louis took over. Like yeah. night, like it was almost like a switch. I mean, it could be what you say. Someone saying, "Hey, you're playing like shit," but there's all everyone's already been saying. No one's going to look at this season. The team's terrible. Now, if the team was in a playoff race and he was playing this shit then yes, they would be like, oh, well, I don't know. This team's playing pretty good, and you're not. But the whole team's playing terrible. I mean, the highest goal, Anderson has 11 goals, which leads the team, and I think he's like 217th in goal. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's – there's nobody – It's uh, historically bad. It's, it's Suzuki has 30 points, and he leads the team in points. And, yeah. you know, it, it, it's historically bad. But – his play under St. Louis, it's just night and day, night and day to what it was with Ducharme. I mean, he's still the same defensively. He's, I mean, let's be honest. Petrie was never. He wasn't, he wasn't really a Norris candidate. No, he never was. Um, He was a, he was a, he was a Paul coffee for the coffee trophy. He was a candidate for that because he was scoring points. He's the kind of guy that, that really thrives as a number three but just cannot shoulder the burden of a number one. No, no. He's a he good, was a good, he was a good number two with Weber. Especially say, when he was, especially I when he was it, playing with Edmondson because he had somebody the, to play the defensive role. But I look at him as a number three when you, when you say that, because I take the two guys in the top two lines as one and two. That's just the way yeah. I look at it. Yeah. So Weber with whoever, that, but Weber second with whoever. Pa- second pair. Yeah. 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 Because uh, he's he, not up against the top guys every time. It's just every other shift. Yeah. Yeah. And, and mean, that makes a difference. It really does. It does. I mean, who's he? Was, who's he oh, Kulak. Yeah. Mm. There's another guy getting traded. I can see it. Absolutely. I can see Absolutely it. Absolutely not. Garot, Kulak, and uh, Lekanen for all the Rangers prospects and picks. Every single one. Every single one. You heard it here first. Uh, before we get to the rumors and stuff, we'll get into that a little bit. I wanted to talk a little bit about Rem Pitlick. Yeah. Now, Trag, you made a very, um, uh, a very good post on Twitter last night after the game, talking about the Calder Trophy and where the guys are in points. And you pointed out Rem Pitlick is tenth. In rookie points. In points. That's after last night's game, after he scored yep. his goal. Yeah, he's 10th in, in rookie points. Mind you, he has 
20 points, or I have to look it up. What does Red Pitt look at? I think he's got points. 19 he's 18, points. Yeah, 19 points, and the leader has 30. He's 20 points behind. But still, uh, he's 10. still. I didn't think Rem was a rookie. I thought he was a rookie last year. So I, I didn't realize that he uh, had played that low amount of games because he's played with Minnesota the past two seasons. He just didn't play 25 games. So but uh, technically. So he's still a rookie. Uh, and <laughs> and he was just a waiver pickup. It cost him nothing. It was just a waiver pickup. cost him nothing. He had, he had eight goals come when he came to Montreal. He was – he. I think he came to Montreal tied in the lead in goals or second in goals or something when he got <laughs> yeah. there. Um, I like the kid. I don't think he's a, uh, I think he's a fringe top six guy. I think he's a third yeah. line, third line guy at best, but I uh, think he excels on a fourth, but he could play on a third. Yeah. But uh, I, Hey, the, the movie put on uh, uh, Sorokin and, and, and the, and the shootout was uh He's still looking for his jock strap up to the. He's did Charlie Lindgren looking for his jock strap up the up in the stands there. And, and then he he tried the exact same move against Toronto on the breakaway there and yeah. just lost his footing and ran into the goalie. Yeah, and uh, I I mean I like him. Good for him. He, I like I like the way he talks in his interview. He's very articulate, um, and uh, he he's looking good. I I would I I was surprised when I see. I was just looking up Caulfield to see where he was at because yeah. he. Of, because of his eight points in six games i'm like where would he be at the calder race here like how far behind are we and, you know uh cider or not cider uh the detroit guy there's lucas guy. raymond lucas, lucas yeah. raymond's got 39 and then i'm like oh wait a minute all right let me add these tonight's three points up oh he's 14th i'm like rem pendlick 10th <laughs> 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 what <laughs> oh the hell so, <laughs> uh rem pendlick for calder <laughs> calder you heard it here first <laughs> He's going to edge bunting out for point for votes. <laughs> bunting a rookie? Yeah. Really? No, I thought well, it was just. Uh... You, you haven't seen it on Twitter? All the Leafs fans just uh, just constantly oh, I... spouting off. Uh, I mean, he plays with Matthews and Marner. I would get probably twenty points in a season playing with Matthews and Marner. Hey, man, Rem Pitlick's playing on the thirty-second place team, and he's tenth, so that counts for something on the no, third but, line but in all seriousness though i think i think this is probably a very good waiver pickup and someone that's going to play for the next few years and i honestly feel that him playing in the bottom six moving forward kind of opens things up for the canadians to do other moves and this is where we're going to move to the the rumors section it makes it opens them up to the the possibility of moving lekkinen because you have Armia, you have you have Pitlick, Yelonen's on his way up. You have options, so now you have this soon-to-be RFA, and you have needs elsewhere in your lineup. He's got a high value. You, you got Paul Byron back too, so that's Paul, right. And Paul Byron's faster than he is and has better hands. Um, and that's not. I'm not shooting down Lekkinen here. I think Lekkinen's probably one of the better. Actually, I said in my rumors article, he's probably one of the better two-way wingers in the league, um, the defensive wingers in the league. And there's people calling for him. And I think, I know a lot of people want to keep Lekkinen on the team. They like him and I don't, I don't blame them. I, I, I really don't, but he's going to want a longer term deal. This is his last year of RFA. So uh, he's going to want multiple year deals, not just a one year, get me over deal. Um I don't think it'll be a whole hell of a lot of money, but uh, he's what 1.76 now, I think, or two point something, 2.3. So he's probably going to want around three, three and a half, maybe. Um, 3.8, like Armia. Yeah. Which would be want, fair. Which would be fair. Uh, so, yeah, I'm okay with moving. You got I, my thing is Yolonen. I think you need to make a space for Yolonen next year. I think he's getting close to being NHL ready. Uh, he has that great one timer that he has from the, uh, from the Ovechkin spot there. Yeah. Um, and you have a guy like that with a guy like Rim Pipplick playing on the bottom six. You hit, now you have a little bit with Byron. Now you have a little bit more offense on your bottom six with defensive uh, um, responsibilities. So he's not, I have no vital. issue. Yeah. I, I have no issue moving Lekkinen and I'd like, again, if the right deal comes along, I'm pretty sure he's going to, I think he's going to the Rangers, but uh, if the right deal comes along, 
uh, he's gone. It's possible. It's possible. Uh, like I mentioned last week on the, on, uh, on our, on our show here, um, Washington has been scouting the Canadians pretty heavily. And I mentioned that perhaps they were willing to pick him up and in return for that goaltenders, Samsonov, that they were shopping. And it came out uh, yesterday that that is indeed the path that it's rumored to be. So I wouldn't be against that. that. If if price is going to be out long-term and you're not sure what's going to happen, you're not sure about Primo anymore, one or the other, why not? Why not trade him for an up-and-coming goaltender who's 24 and is slated to be a starting goaltender? And then you can then you get freedom to maybe even deal Allen at the trade deadline and get even more assets. Or in the summer. Yep, or in the summer. So I I think you're going to see a very different Montreal Canadiens team next year. Like it's going to be very different than what it is. I mean, your defense, of course, half of it's going to be gone anyway. So, uh, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if a guy like Edmondson gets, I think anyone over 30 is, is, is going to be close to being gone. If not, except maybe Byron, I think Byron might stick around as that veteran leader. Um, Because he has to get Gallagher because they have the skill set that the 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 management team likes the speed the skill I mean Gallagher's speed is not there but he has the heart determination and and stuff like that so unless Gallagher wants it that'll be a Gallagher thing now uh uh, Matt what do you think about uh Sherratt's landing spot where do you think he's going to end up thinking he's going to either go to the Panthers or the blues what do you think the canadians will get in return in either one of those deals well for the panthers who would definitely they don't have a first round pick for this year uh so it'd be a first for next year or they'd be looking at a prospect or prospects so if you were if you're hughes and you had to choose between a 2023 first or say a denisov or uh, an owen tippett which would you pick? I don't think Tippett's all that, all that, what do you, you know, like that, that, that seems to be the one that they're shopping. And like, um, you know, I'm really high on Lundell, but definitely Lundell isn't going to be going anywhere. Um, if, if I was them, I'd be looking at, uh, I'd be looking at what sort of myself, I'd be looking at Justin sort of with, uh, with a, with a, with a pick. That's what I'd be looking at. I wouldn't, okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even be looking at, uh, I wouldn't even be looking at, uh, at Tepp it myself. Fair. Now with the blues, uh, I put out a, a, a poll on this exact thing. If Sherratt were to be moved to the blues, because apparently they're heavy in on him. Um, Hughes has mentioned that he would rather get some uh prospects who are you know like d plus two type prospects yeah, yeah. so two years past their draft day at least one maybe two yeah. um but not further over a first because you know you, you can only have so many picks and he wants to speed up the process yeah. but with the blues uh they have guys like uh neighbors i do Brunovich, na- i Bordzik. do neighbor na- neighbors or bulldog yeah now i perunovich is probably the higher value of the three but he's a lefty and the Canadians are kind of stacked on that part in the system. Yes. Yeah. So clearly I would go neighbors. What about, what about you, Treg? Neighbors would be the guy I'd go with after. See, the problem with St. Louis is their prospect school is kind of thin. Yeah. Uh, like neighbors, Balduck are good, but they're not. They're not. They're, they're, they're low A class. You know what yeah. I mean? Like they're, they're not. They're safe. Uh, to, they're safe players to say say they'll make the NHL, but they're not top line. No, you're 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 they're going to make the NHL, but they're not going to make a huge difference to your team. Like they're not going to be like a Shane Wright or a you know I mean that's a bad comparison, but I'm bad I'm comparing things badly today. But uh, <laughs> um, they're yeah like I say they're, they're third second third line best play will be the best is where they're going to end up on an NHL team. Um, so I think if it's a St. Louis, you're looking at a pick and a, and a, and a, a draft pick and a, 
and a prospect if it's Sherrod. Um, but with, not a first. If you're getting one of them, you you might get a third. And yeah. Yeah. Or second. I mean, yeah. it all depends. I mean, look yeah. at Savard. Savard got a haul for. It depends on it. Depends on who wants to move up. Depends on who wants to move. And now, I'm with Matt on uh, Florida. I don't like trading Sherrod to Florida because you're going to get stuck with a prospect that they don't want anyway, yeah. and not a pick. And I, I get what Hughes is trying to say, but you also got to yeah. be careful that you're not getting that D plus two that the other team's trying to get rid of because they're not developing the way they should be developed. That's right. And they also just sent tip um, to the minors. Yeah. Well, I mean, they are deep on the wings, so I can understand that part. But at the same time, why do they have him? Why are they dangling him? Why aren't they that, just that, saying we're looking to get someone? And that's what I, that's why I, where I'm getting at with that. Like, yeah. It's almost like they're saying, someone come take Tippett. Come well, take I think <laughs> for me, for me, what ended up happening is it's more is the, the emergence of Mason Marchment. That's a, that's why I think that uh, Tippett's a little bit more um, possible, a, a little bit more um, expendable now because Tippett was supposed to be the guy that was going to come in, be the goal scorer, et cetera. Uh, you know, the, with the fire red hair and just lighten up everybody. Right. But like Mason Marchment, who actually was a, a Leafs prospect and played in the Mar- played with the Marlies, played a couple games with uh, with uh, with the Leafs, didn't do much. And now all of a sudden with the Panthers, he's put up 11 goals in 25 games and whatever it what uh, Well, this season, uh, he played for the last season as well and put up two, but um you're seeing you're seeing kind of an emergence of this of, a, of another young player um so well he's 26 but still young um but i i think that it's just he's become expendable and now seeing that tippett's been put down in the minors for me it just doesn't scream give away our best trade chip if that's going to be the haul exactly now they have that uh, other guy there uh, dennison or uh, what's his name denisov denisov uh or you're talking about denisenko 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 yeah. uh i would take him over tippet if i was making a trip oh, yeah. to florida yeah. yeah yeah in a heartbeat but again and, and I would he's have, another I, one that's kind of middling as well yeah but i again if i'm taking him i'm also taking a pick of some sort or some other or another b prospect or something right i'm not just taking it because uh, i mean i think the asking price for Sherrod is a draft is a first at a prospect that's that's the high yeah from from the rumor mill that that's what they're looking for and right now if you match up with st louis or florida you're either getting a middling b a level prospect and a non-first or you're getting a first and a b to c level prospect so you know what i mean is next year not this year well with florida it is but st louis you get this year um I prefer getting an extra first because then you can put those two firsts together and move up in the draft. That that Fair. that's what I prefer. But who knows? Maybe I would get a first out of out of uh, Lekkonen somewhere. I don't know. Yeah, and I, I'm kind of hoping the Rangers want a piece of the action as well, just because guys like uh, Braden Schneider interest me. Mm-hmm. Uh, even Nils Lundqvist. I know he's he's not as high on their depth chart as Schneider is, but still, they play the type of game that the Canadians need. They uh, right-handed puck moving defenseman. And I, I know there's a lot of talk about Kravstov, but like Leah Anderson, when he was traded to the uh, LA Kings, the asking price in return is essentially a second round pick. So you could possibly get a Nils Lundqvist and a Kravstov in return. Cause that's basically a first and a second. Well, I mentioned in my article that you could package Sherratt and Lekkonen to the Rangers. You could. And get a first Kratzoff and another another prospect. Maybe a Lundquist or well, something. A Lundquist. And, yeah. that, and that's kind of who I'm like. I, I didn't look at Schneider. I think Schneider would be too high for that. But uh, I would think that that's who they'd be aiming for because but, Gordon likes him that much. Yeah. Um, and the only reason I think Kratzoff, I'm almost convinced Kratzoff's going to end up in Montreal is because Gordon and uh, the Bob uh, Bob Bob, Bob Rob. Bobrov. Bobrov's the one who scouted him. He's the one that told Gordon. And I'm not saying Kratsov is because what was he picked ninth, I think, or something like that. I'm not saying he's going to turn out to be this superstar guy. I I don't think he, I actually don't think he will. I think he's just going to be a mid-level second, third line player. But uh, 
I think I, for some reason, I think he's going to somehow he's going to end up in Montreal. I see him. He's his numbers in the KHL aren't that great. You know, they're not, they're not advancing to the levels that they would hope, especially for someone who's uh, going to be needing a new contract. He's just finishing off his ELC uh, and needs a new contract. I see him more of a, a guy that could kind of hold on in a second line. Yeah, you know, he's a big guy. He could skate. He's a he's he's actually a good skater. So that kind of fits the plan that they have. So yeah, I could see it. But if anyone's thinking they're going to get a 25 goal scorer out of this, they're going to be mistaken. I think this guy's at best 20 goals, 50 points kind of guy. You got to look at the KHL. If they know you're not coming back the next year, they don't really play you either. True. So true. That's what they did with Romanov. Um, I mean, but they don't need him to be a 25 goal scorer. No, they need, they just need a little bit more help along the wings because mm-hmm depending on what they go with in the draft, like whatever their draft uh, plan is, are they planning on, are they going to be drafting a centerman in those first two picks? And, you know, you're, you're projecting a couple years down the road when that centerman shows up, does he have the wingers to play with them? Well, that's interesting too, because you bring up Braden Schneider and we bring up Lundqvist. And if they get one of those right-handed defensemen, and they're picking, then it, it kind of changes how they're going to draft as well. Because if they're, say, picking fourth, Nemec's probably the guy. If you're picking fourth, you're looking at Nemec. Or Savlon. Or, or Slavoski. Yeah. Do you well, pick... Slavoski could go second because he could. He had a monster right? Olympics. Yeah. yeah. But let's just say he's sitting, the, you're at three, and you have the choice between Nemec and Slavoski, and you have Schneider in the background. Do you pick but the one with the Olympic? But that's MVP? what I'm saying. That, that's what I'm saying. Like if you already have Schneider, yeah, you don't really look at Nimick anymore. You're like, well, I got my right-handed defenseman. You know what I mean? I I don't really need to draft this kid. I got a guy who I can put in the lineup right now, uh, with guys in the a system. Lo- with a Logan Mayu in the system. That's probably going to come up the following year, right? Yeah, I'm going. I'm going for the forward. Now, if you don't get that defenseman coming back, now you got to go. Well, all I have is Logan Mayu coming up on the right side. And he's a year or two away. I'm going to need somebody. Which brings the devil's advocate into this. Um, best player available. Do you still see Nemich as the best player available? Or do you see Slavoski? Or do you see Cooley? If, Slo- if Slavoski's you know I mean? available, I take Slavoski. I would 100%. Yeah. You, don't see a, you don't see a guy with that size and skill that can move that, you know, that can move like that. And, uh, you know, I, yes, I know that it wasn't the Olympics with all the NHL players and do it, but he was but 17. a guy that was 17 years old and led the, t- and led the tournament in goals. Like that's something that's saying something he's, he's, yeah. he's got a bright future. And it's not like he was on the powerhouse team either. He was on Slovakia. That's right. Like even with all no NHLers, Slovakia is still pretty low i mean they had a better outcome because there were no nhlers there and because slavoski got them there that's right and he he actually he earned what he got to be the leading goal scorer in the olympics getting the olympic mvp he got that he got this team to where they were at 17 so i can see them saying you know i've got this right-handed defenseman and, you know, I'm, I'm not 100% sure which one is the better. Am I going to pick Nemec or am I going to pick the other Slovakian? It's one or the other. And you're like, well, I got a lot of depth on right D. So I'll, I'll give that slight edge to the winger. Well, I think in that case, so the winger has more than a slight edge. If Slovakia drops to four, I think you have to. Yeah. If that's your I, debate, that's that's. I'm riding the. I'm writing that Slavoski is going to go in the top three anyway. So I'm. Uh... Montreal's not going to be outside the top three. No, and that's why that's what I'm saying. Like if yeah. Montreal Montreal's taken right if they pick first, guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, whether Grant hates them or not, uh, they're taken right. And and you have to admit when a draft comes up, the big name that everyone talks all year about going first. Takes a lot to bunch him off. It takes a, he's going to go first. Yeah. I mean, unless he really drops off a cliff, which 
He kind of did it the first not. year. But there's going to be this. There's going to be people. That, but there's going to be people next year. They're going to dissect the hell out of Connor Bedard's game as well. Even though, yeah, we can all we he'd probably go number one in this draft. Yes. Yes. But Bedard never missed a full season either. He went to Europe and played. That's true. That's, That's true. true. That's true. And a lot yeah, of people right missed a whole other, year. He did. And I think that's why it, it, it took it him a long for, time to get his game going. Yeah, and he didn't even finish his first year because COVID shut the season down. Right. That year he had 39 goals, and he was probably going to break um, McDavid's goal-scoring record for a rookie. Yeah. So. And all of that is to say, I still see him as going number one. No matter oh, who has sure. that pick, for I still sure. see him going number one as well. Yeah. So, I mean, top. I'm sorry, top three, you take best player available. I don't give a yeah. – if they finish second, then I go, well, who's better, Cooley or uh, Slavoski there? It, now it's, you're not, kinda, it's not now as clear you're cut kinda, as it was two weeks ago. But you kind of want that problem. You kind of yeah. want, do I want this guy or this guy? Either way, I'm going to work out, but who's going to be the better one? Which brings us back to the, the point of St. Louis coming in and providing a little bit of a bump so that these young players that are already in the NHL develop a little bit more. Because right. whether you finish first or when you, whether you get the first pick or the third pick, you're getting, getting a good, good player. player. Yeah. And then Marco, Dome- uh, Marco, Marco D'Amico. <laughs> Marco said that when he was talking, he's saying, listen, no matter who you get in the top five, you're getting an NHL top line player. And on Marco, I want to congratulate Marco on his, uh, his new position with Montreal hockey. Now Um, congratulations, Marco. Uh, I know you've been working towards this and it's great to see good people get rewarded for their good work. So congratulations. And uh, remember us little guys, you know. Is this why we never get rewarded for anything? That's right. Okay. I want to say, while we're doing shout-outs, shout-outs to McLean's Pub. Uh, Stuart Ash, and he posted a picture of Habs head coach, Martin St. Louis, dropping by McLean's Pub. Yeah, he had a nice. he had lunch there or something. Yeah. Shout-out to, to McLean. Yeah. And while we're, t- we're talking about McLean's, we will be at the draft in Montreal this year. And on the Saturday following the draft, maybe not Matt. <laughs> maybe we'll not see. Matt. We'll see. We'll, we'll Zoom call him in. But uh, okay. the rest of us will be there. We'll be at McLean's Pub with Stuart hosting a Habs Unfiltered post draft party. Uh, we're inviting everybody to come meet us there. Uh, feel free to come in, uh, buy as much Jameson's and Labatt 50 as you want. We are not helping with that. That's on you. But if you want to buy, you can us, buy a beer, us some, you can yeah, buy us a beer. Absolutely. I may drink that day. I'm totally drinking that day. Might. We'll see. We'll week. See. I'm totally drinking that week. We'll see. <laughs> All right. So uh, I want to finish the show off here with something decent. You were talking about, uh, uh, we only got a few more minutes, but talking about St. Louis again. Do either of you, and I'll start with you, Treg, feel that the interim tag is basically lifted and this is St. Louis' job now? No. I think he'll be interim to the end of the year, and if he stays on, it'll be like a one- or two-year deal. Okay. Matt? Not yet. I believe that uh, what's going to happen is they're going to they're going to look at the players that uh, have really thrived under him. They're going to look at the uh, the people that they bring out uh, or the people that they uh, they traded off and what they brought back during the trade deadline and see how the team reacts after the deadline and see if see if they're actually still playing with pace and still paying playing with a purpose. And uh, then they're going to reevaluate. And I agree that it'll probably be, I, I go with it. I, I'd say a two-year contract because I, I think that for, for myself, I think that's going to be an attractive deal for St. Louis. I don't know if you would accept the one-year deal. No, I don't think so either. I think it, it, we're only six games into his tenure. Uh, the team has looked really good in those six games. Uh, I don't know if it's just the players wanting to impress their new, their new boss or if it's something more. Um, but by the end of this, uh, this regular season, if they continue in the, in the manner they are, I can, I can see the interim tag coming off. 
I'm tired of hearing the Rod Brindamore comparisons. This is not it. Um, this is he's not the same kind of coach. He's just a shorter guy that took care of his body. That's really the only comparison. Rod Brindamore was an assistant coach for seven years in the NHL. Exactly. <laughs> he kind of knew what he was doing when he got in. Not saying Martin St. Louis doesn't know what he's doing, but he clearly had a plan in his pocket, ready to go if he ever got the chance to join an NHL team. He said so himself. He said, I've been sitting down formulating a coaching plan for the past 10 years. Yeah. And saying, you know, I think this will work. I think this will work. And I'll tell you right now, there's not a chance in hell that he's not talking to Torts on a weekly, every other day basis, getting advice. He, he has a lot of connections, a lot of friends. I am absolutely sure he talks to people that he trusts. If the team continues in the direction that they are now, I would not be surprised to see him get a contract offered to him. Now, let's keep in mind, that doesn't mean he's going to want to stay in Montreal. Maybe another team offers him a contract. you got to remember, he's free agent. So does he want to stay in Montreal and continue with what they're doing? Or does he want to try something different? Uh, my guess would be that he wants to stay. If he does well here, he'll want to What's stay it? here. For me, it's the pieces that they brought in. Like he has, he has a history with with uh, with some of these people that they they're bringing in, and who knows who else they're going to bring in in the off season? Different AGMs. Um, it seems like it's a big uh, one, big happy family right now. So if that's if that continues, and we see like you know Vinny Prospel come in and Brad Richards and Happy Bullen and all that <laughs> stuff, then you know maybe 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 that's what it'll be. Dave Andertruck. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got a question for you. This is uh, before we go. If Petrie gets traded, does Caulfield go to number 26? Absolutely. I think so. And they'll have a press conference and St. Louis gives him the jersey. Oh. That'd be neat. That'd be neat. Uh, I was going to yell something, but you're not allowed to anymore. <laughs> so I'm just going to say lame instead of the other word I was going to use, but. Okay, fine. They'll be on step stools so everyone can see. <laughs> well, the good thing about Caulfield is now he can see eye to eye with his coach, so he knows exactly what he's talking about. But um, don't. All right, um, Matt. What about your final thought? Uh, two years ago today, David Ayers defeated the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. So shout out to David. Yeah, uh, him and his wife are still two of my favorite follows on Twitter. So yeah, give them a follow. Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, David, mostly because, you know, he's a legend. <laughs> uh, all right. And I want to thank our special sponsor, Boxing Rock Brewing Company. Uh, their puck off Lagerdale is available at every NSLC. Uh, is delicious. Um, I would recommend going out and buying some uh we are still doing giveaways the occasional giveaway so pay attention to habsandfilter.net uh and all our social media accounts we will have some contests coming up where you can win yourself a free 12 box of uh puck off lagered ale cans there's rules and regulations that you have to meet before you get it we're not just giving it to anyone uh so i want to thank Boxing Rock for being a special partner. Uh, for all our other partnerships, go to habsunfilter.net. You'll find them all there. Promo codes, everything. Uh, and for our listeners, thank you very much for listening. You guys make this fun. Um, there's plenty of other shows you can listen to as well, like Locked On Canadians and uh, Happy Hour. There's We have friends in all these shows. We love them all. They're all great. We're just happy that you spend a little bit of time with us. So thank you. And remember, if you're talking about it, so are we. Be sure to go to HabsUnfiltered.net to check out all the great giveaways, all the great sponsors, all the promo codes for each sponsor to save you money on amazing products.
I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.